Let's go ahead and begin with the word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, our great high priest, cleanse us by the power of your, of your, 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 uh, your redeeming blood, that in purity and peace we may worship and adore your holy name. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. 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 <clears throat> All right. Excuse me. Sorry for the clearing of my throat the whole time. Uh, let's start with that opening psalm again. Psalm 80, verses 1 through 7. I'll do the unbolded parts. I'll do the bolded parts. By this time, we'll be used to this by the time we get to the next week. It'll be the last one. So that's okay. <laughs> yeah, we all, get, all get used to it, and then we got to stop. Um, so, Psalm... Uh, Psalm 80, verses 1 through 7. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. Before Ephraim and Benjamin, stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God, let your, um, let your face shine that we may be saved. O oh Lord, God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You made us an object of contention for our neighbors, and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, so now we are into uh, the conversion being the work of the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked a lot about... Um, did we talk about so much stuff is happening recently? Um, our last week we talked about our will as opposed to God's will, uh, and we've been talking about these things in a nuanced way for the last couple of weeks. But it kind of helps to just see. Uh, I, I think, like Pastor Wolf Miller says here at the beginning, you know, that we are constantly having to deal with the issue that, um, with the issue of our will having anything to do with our salvation whether quietly or outwardly. I mean, there's a lot of Christians who have these notions that, that we have to make a decision or we have to effect something in or cause something within ourselves to believe or something like that, right? But that's, 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 that's the old Adam trying to claim some credit for these things and eventually drive a wedge between you and God, right? So we're just, so just going to keep pushing forward here. Uh, on a little bit from the solid declaration of the formula of Concord, uh, where it says, so the, the first part is about the scriptures ascribe the work of conversion to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Scriptures ascribe conversion, faith in Christ, regeneration, renewal, and all that belongs to their efficacious beginning and completion, not to the human powers of the natural free will, neither entirely nor half, nor in any, even the least or most, uh, or most incons um, inconsiderable part, uh, 
but entirely solely to the divine working and the Holy Ghost, right? the Holy Spirit. Reason and free will are able to a certain extent um, to, to live, uh, to live, um, excuse me, to live an outwardly decent life, but to be born anew and to obtain inwardly another heart, mind, and, and disposition. This only the Holy Ghost effects. Excuse me. He opens the understanding and heart to understand the scriptures and to give heed to the word. So um, we're just going to go through these kind of pretty pretty quick. If you all have any questions about them, we'll stop. And if I have something to say, well, of course I'll say it. But uh, we'll we'll have we'll just kind of go around the table. And Paul, I'll try and include you too in this, uh, even though you're not a part of the table. Um, so we'll just have uh, Holly. If you want to do Luke twenty four. Verses four, uh, verse 45. Conrad, if you want to do Acts 16, verse 14. And then Diane, if you want to do Philippians 2, verse 13. We'll just kind of go that way. Okay, so Luke 24, 45. What does that say for us? Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Okay. I'll do more. That was I yeah. actually did more. I, it just should should have been. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Right. Yeah. No, that's fine. Uh, yeah. Of course. So I mean, yeah. Of course. There's there's the context of Jesus appearing to the disciples, right, and saying um, just as a full fuller context, um, he says to them, "These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms." must be fulfilled. Then he, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day be raised from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all generations beginning from Jerusalem. So, um, but that main key point there is verse 44. Then Jesus said to them, these, sorry, verse 45. Uh, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So, who opened the disciples? Uh, who opened the disciples' understanding? God, Holy Jesus. Spirit. Yeah, yeah, Jesus, uh, the God, God the Son, right? Um, so we see we're gonna see a lot of the same kind of answers throughout all this, right? Uh, so who opened the disciples' minds to understand? Uh, Jesus did, right? God did. How about Acts 16, verse 14? One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatria, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Okay, so again, who opened Lydia's heart so that she would understand the preaching of the gospel? The Lord. The Lord did, right? So, um, I really think it's the Holy, the, the Trinity. Yeah, sure. All, you know, all three, mm -hmm. one person. 
Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You um, need all three of them to do that. Right. Um, to me. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> there's, there's something to be said for the, you know, so the Holy Trin- so the Holy Trinity is a profoundly div- profound and divine mystery, uh, but God has given us a way to understand it a little bit, uh, and we we like the basic understanding is the the economy of the Trinity. You know what economy means, by the way, like the um, the etymology behind that, the like roots of all the words and everything. Just efficiency of it. Um, economy, so we, we see, oh, we see that a lot today, economy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, economy, it comes from, um, um, oikonomia, uh, that's, that's, that's the Greek, you can kind of tell what it, what it means, it's O I. K O N O M I A. Uh, this word, y'all know what that word is in Greek? Doki. Oikos. You probably heard like of a Greek yogurt called. Yeah. Yeah. Oikos. It means house. So house, and then nomia or nomos means law. So it's the law of the house. It's the house rule, right? So um, the economy of the Trinity, and so, so like if you have, if you, you can explain that to like the rule of the, the country, the economy, right? So how things run, how things go, how things are governed in that way. We, we typically use it for a financial sense in these days, but there's the economy of the Trinity where, um, where you have... Uh, you know, the Father has a certain role, the Son has a certain role, the Holy Spirit has a certain role. Uh, the Father, we see, you know, He is the Creator. You know, if you're just going to stick with the most basic understandings like we have in the small catechism, the Father is the Creator, the Son is the Redeemer, and the Holy Spirit is the Sanctifier. Uh, and you also hear about how the Father sends the Son, you know, and then the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit only talks about the son, right? And he reminds us of what the son has done and brings to mind what we should know about the son and, and all these things like that, right? And, and it's just beautiful working in the Trinity. So yeah, when you see like uh, that, that the Lord does these things, I mean, uh, they're being, I think, purposefully vague, right? Because you go, because um, we would say that um, strictly speaking, well, I guess like they're all involved somehow. So you're right. The Trinity has to be involved in some way altogether. Neither one can work separate and apart from like wholly separate, you know, and by that I mean W-H-O-L-L-Y, right? Not, not, not the holy self, you know, anyways. So just make sure we understand which holy I'm talking about. They can't work wholly separate from each other. They always are working together in uh, conversion, faith, and taking care and doing all the things that they promise to do, right? Um, I say they, I should say he, because it's one, it's three, three, three persons, one God. So this is, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you're right. Um, that God said he wants, 
What's that? The pronouns that he wants to use. Oh, he, they. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God, God, God has his own pronouns and he chose them from eternity. So uh, <laughs> he didn't just change his mind one day. Um, yeah. So anyways, you're right. You're right. That uh, when you see things like, yeah, one, um, the Lord, um, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And I think that what uh, St. Luke here who wrote Acts is getting at is that, you know, you look in the Old Testament, you'll see the all capitalized Lord. And that's our uh, rendering for Yahweh, right? The personal name of God. So also in Greek, when you see the Lord, they're, they're I mean, some, sometimes it, it depends on the context. Here, I believe that they are speaking about, you know, Yahweh and Yahweh being the personal name and, and things like that. And now we have the more fully divine name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is a whole other thing in itself. Kind of interesting if you look at, uh, you know, it's like there's God doesn't have names. He just has a name. And it's really kind of neat when you look at the Greek in Matthew 28, where Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, singular, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Like they all share the name Yahweh and they're all, you know, it's very kind of kind of neat to think about. Maybe we can do a whole study on the Trinity and the workings of it sometime. But yeah. Any questions? Yeah. Sometimes it just gets more confusing. <laughs> absolutely. Um, absolutely. Just blind things. Just, uh -huh. yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, I think it'd be kind of neat to maybe do a study Sometime I, I'd have to look into how to do this, but um, we could even do like a study on the creeds, uh, and that sounds that may sound kind of boring, but do a study on the creeds and how they came to be, like why we have the creeds, because you know why we have the creeds, right? Yeah. Why? Defending. Yeah. Well, and to correct Defending error. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's to correct heresy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we are we had enough heresies. Um, pop up in the church history where you say, well, people had some strange ideas about who Jesus was, right? That he wasn't uh, the son from eternity. He was a created being, right? Or something like that. Or people had strange ideas about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit was just a substance or an essence, not actually God himself, right? Um, so it's just all kind of curious. It probably is going to be a huge study, but I think it'd be kind of interesting. Maybe just do like an overview of who thought what and why and you know heresy is very interesting because it's 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 enticing because it's well thought out right <laughs> and then it causes those who would be true to the faith to have to really think about what they believe so anyways kind of interesting stuff it would be good though to study that because um... I don't know, maybe I'm just in, in a bad group of people, but <laughs> there's, there's an awful lot of people that are bringing these same things up again. That's right. It's very prevalent. That's right. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, there's, an, uh, there's an article in, I think it was this issue of Christian culture. Um, Traditional Christianity, Why Society Needs Us More than ever by uh, Pastor Christopher Toma. Um, in fact, if you want to read it, it's kind of interesting. Um, 
uh, Christopher Toma, he was saying that he was at this event, this political event or whatever, uh, a political event, but also with faith leaders. So, you know, Christians and, and, um, they're like, what the guy who was leading it said, what do we want our standard to be as far as our agreements on things? And the leader said it should be the Nicene Creed. That's our standard. I mean, it's a low enough bar, but a high enough bar to where you say, we're not going to dabble in heresy, but we're also not going to get into certain disputes about um, about finer points beyond the Trinity, I guess you could say. But I mean, that extends to other things as well. Regardless, um, what he talks about is that um, a lot of the evangelical um, people that were at that conference were saying things like... Uh, you know, pastors just need to be bold. You need to be brave and get out there and say what's true. And um, they had a speaker there who I think is an agnostic, right? He said he was an agnostic, but he's 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 one of the foremost scholars on like diversity, equity, inclusion, woke ideology stuff, you know. And um, he's an agnostic, but he used to be an atheist. So I guess that's a step in the right direction. He knew he didn't believe, but now he doesn't know. So. Um, uh, <laughs> So sorry, but um, but he um, Toma talks about how um, that scholar said that um, Marxism and and um, other godless ideologies like it, you know, really just Marxism. That's like the chief one we have to contend with now. Um, the their primary, like their their biggest opponent is creedal Christianity. And I say creedal because there are a lot of Christian churches out there that just that just don't really pay attention to the creeds. They don't care about the creeds. They don't. They say, "What do we need them for? We have the Bible," and it just ignores this gift that has been given to us by our forefathers in the faith. That say, "Well, we derived all this from the Scriptures." It's it's literally distilled. I mean, it's basically like saying, you know. Um, I don't like to drink whiskey because I can go get some wheat. See what I'm saying? Uh, I've got a wheat field in my backyard. I'll just go pick some wheat. Why do I need whiskey? You see what I'm saying? <laughs> or to say, why do I need wine? I've got grapes. Right? Uh, someone made that wine for you to enjoy. Of course, you have to be, you know, it's not a one-to-one -one comparison in the analogy, but it's like, why would I enjoy this beautiful thing that someone gave me? It's just like collecting dust on my shelf when I've got, you know, the rudimentary parts of it that, you know, grapes are good. They sustain you. The wheat's good. You can, you know, it, it, it can be useful, but the creed is also, you know, creeds are also very useful in the sense that they've been distilled theology down to the basics from what the scriptures already say. And, and to disagree and to just kind of shove them aside and just go, well, you're missing out on a really big gift there that really helps you at least as an entry point to say, this is what I believe. And I'm going to go find it in the scriptures too, because I know that it's there. Right. Um, so anyways, he talks about how he brought up this question. Um, uh, it's a pretty interesting read where he says, you know, he brought, he brings up this question about, he's like, uh, asked this one guy's like, I know you've said that you've done this study in other like third world countries where Marxism or, you know, uh, Marxist thought 
is kind of coming in a lot and they really have to like the only ones that are actually standing firmly opposed that, 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 that the Marxist thought just cannot topple is the creedal faith of the Christians in those places. Like whether it be Roman Catholics, Lutherans, Anglicans, whatever. Um, but the creedal um, conservative uh, traditional Christians uh, they're the ones who are the who who are actually making the firmest stand against this because they have something to stand on, and uh, and before the guy could even answer, one of the other guys on the panel who was one of the evangelical pastors, like, oh, but we need to be brave. You need to, and like he just like cut him off and didn't give him a chance to answer, even though it was for him. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. It's like we have the creeds for a good reason, <clears throat> and they tell us what who God is, what He does. Of course you can go deeper but i think the small catechism is also a great gift because luther did a really wonderful job in further i mean he takes this he takes the synthesized theology and the creed and then he just kind of pulls it out a little bit for you to see god the father created you <clears throat> and he gives you all these good things it takes care of your body and life and then god the son um, redeemed you, and this is how he did it. And God, the Holy Spirit, he sets you apart. He makes you holy and, you know, makes you a part of the church, keeps you in the one true faith and all this stuff. And when we have those things, then it's better. It's, it's more likely that we're going to really stay in the faith because of uh, our understanding. And so you've been catechized well by saying, you know, what well, says the Lord, but I think it's the Trinity. Absolutely. Yeah. It helps, it helps to say, you know, I, I know all this because it's what I've always believed and we've always said it, right? So <clears throat> that was a nice little tangent for padding time a little bit. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, okay, so any, any, so we're just kind of going through the list here. You know, who, you know, who does all these things? Who converts? We see the Lord. That is, you know, the Trinity. Uh, if you want to get really specific, it's kind of more, kind of more the Holy Spirit, but He's always pointing to the Father and the Son, so they're together on these things, right? Um, so Philippians two thirteen, uh, okay. you got that one, man? Yeah. Uh, for it is God who works in you to will and to act accordingly to His good purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and. My translation, it says, or my translation, the, uh, <laughs> the English Standard Version, I think, says his good pleasure. So, um, yeah, so synonymous there, right? Um, so who is working in us that we would will and do God's good pleasure? Who's doing that? God. God is, right? So you're seeing a theme. All right. Uh, Jesus does this, you know, the Lord does this, God works in us to do his will and good pleasure. He does these things, right? Uh, how about, let's go around, so Paul, do you want to get Acts 5, yeah. 31? Uh, Shirley, would you get 2 Timothy 2, 25? We'll just kind of keep going around the table like that. Okay. Is that okay? Uh, and then that, I guess, Alice, that means you got Philippians 1, 29. <clears throat> so, uh, we're going to see Acts 5.31 and 2 Timothy 2.25. So, Paul, you want to read 
Acts 5.31 for us. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. Right. And, of course, who is God talking about? Sorry, who did God exalt? You go back to verse 30. It says, uh, yeah, the God of our fathers raised Jesus whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. The, you know, this is um, the apostles speaking to the, the Jews, the Jewish um, rulers, right? And saying, um, God exalted him, that is Jesus, at his right hand as leader and savior um, to, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And then 2 Timothy 2.25. Those who oppose him... He must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, okay, so, and this is St. Paul talking to uh, Timothy, who is a young pastor, right? Um, and he says, yeah, so he's saying... Um, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring, uh, patiently enduring, um, evil, correcting his <laughs> opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps, uh, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. So, in Acts five thirty one and Second Timothy two twenty five, who gives repentance? Very generally. Yeah, God does. I mean, Acts, Acts uh, 5, 5.31, uh, you can kind of say, um, you know, the God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. So God exalted Jesus, right? And Jesus is God. So that's kind of an interesting thing. He was exalted not in himself. Uh, again, the Trinity. And you look at John, the uh, the gospel for the upcoming Sunday is John 8, where Jesus is saying, I do not glorify myself, but I glorify him who sent me, and I do the will of my Father, and I and the Father are one. And you go, all right, it's a little mind-boggling. I and the Father are one, yet I do not glorify myself, I glorify him, yet we are one. And I go, it's a lot of mental math I'm not ready for. Um, who's glorifying who? But it's Jesus glorifying, you know, the Father. The Father glorifies Him, and it's it's Paul part of that working in the Trinity. But yeah, God gives repentance, right? And even though um, Timothy, um, what is it? Even though Saint Paul is telling Timothy um, that as the pastor, bless you, as the pastor corrects his opponents with gentleness, it is still God who grants. Um, repentance leading to a knowledge of truth that and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will right so it's still God working through and bringing um, repentance yeah uh, Philippians 129 or it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him but also to suffer for him 
Okay, so, um, oh wait, yes, yeah, yeah, that's right. So who works faith? Philippians. God. God. <laughs> you see a theme, right? A uh, little bit of deja vu there for you. Uh, yeah, it's been granted. The answer is always God. Yeah, right? I mean, we're looking for the Sunday school answer here. It's always Jesus or God. Yeah. Although, although I like to say, uh, you know, I like to throw, throw throw people off sometimes. You know me. Um, where it's just like, uh, like for me, the Sunday school is in, the Sunday school answer is always Jesus, God, right? Or sin, right? So it's like, it's like, so it's, it's like, uh, you know, so mine's not always Jesus. It's some, sometimes it's sin. It's like, um, and, or, or the devil. It's like, and who does this stuff? Jesus. No, it's the devil that does this stuff you know? or something. I don't know. It's fun. Um, so yeah, Philippians one twenty nine. Um, yeah, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his, for his sake. So for the sake of Christ, you should believe, right? For his sake. Um, um, so God does this for the sake of Jesus. Um, Ephesians 2, 8. I guess I'll take that one. <sighs> Unless you've got it, Holly. I've got it. You've got it? Get it. it. If you would like to. I do I'll enough share. talking, honestly. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Ephesians 2.8. Ephesians 2.8. Mm-hmm. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your do- own doing. It is the gift of God. Okay, so what is the gift of God that Paul talks about in this verse? This one we can probably make a little hay out of. Grace. Grace. Um, yeah. It is the gift. Saved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... This is God's gift. Um, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. I'd say, maybe I'll be a little stickler here, just so we can be absolutely clear, um, that uh, um, the gift of God is grace, and it is also our faith, right? That our faith is a gift, too. Faith in. Yeah, faith in (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. Very good. You get a gold star. Um, uh, So, yeah, exactly, though. I mean, um, that the faith that has been, that that faith in Christ has been given to you, and God's grace is given to you as a result, too. So it's just gift upon gift upon gift, grace upon grace, all the time, right? so it's God's grace and his faith that receives it. Yeah. Um, how about John 6, 69? So we'll do this. Uh, Conrad, you got John 6, 60, verse 69. And we uh, have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Yeah. So according to this text, what is God's work? John 6, 69. Believe and faith. Yeah. Come yeah. to know, understanding, faith. Yeah, the knowledge of salvation, right? Um, or grasp, like the faith to believe in the knowledge of salvation, right? Yeah, yeah that we should believe. Um, so that we should believe and come to know Jesus as the Christ. Absolutely. Okay, but it's not us that can come to faith. It's only through the Holy Spirit that we can do that, right? Right, that is, that is God's work, absolutely. Um, yeah, because he says... Uh, yeah, because if you, if, if, if you go before that a little bit, 
I actually love all of John 6. It's a wonderful, wonderful chapter. It's so long. It's great. Um, you know, because I, I actually had to do a double take. I forgot how long it was. And when I looked on the sheet here, it's like John 6, 69. Surely he means like John 6, verse 6 or verse 9 or 6 through 9. <laughs> but no, John 6, verse 69. It's a long chapter. But it's a wonderful chapter because... Um, you know, he's talking about being the bread of life and that whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him and these things. And then when many of the disciples heard it, which I'll take a little break here and do a little tangent. You know why they thought that was so strange? Why do you think that they would think that was so strange that they should eat his flesh and drink his blood? That's called cannibalism. Well, it's cannibalism. Yeah, that's probably the first objection for sure. What's, what do you think is a secondary objection? Who is he talking to? What kind of people is he talking to? Fish eaters. <laughs> He's talking to what, what nation or what race or people or, you know, what, what kind of people is he talking to? Jews. What, Jews, right? Jews. Talking to Jewish people, what's, what do Jews do with, with their diet? What don't they eat <laughs> besides humans? Uh, what don't they eat and what don't they drink? Never blood. They never drink blood. Never. Yeah, never. It's always forbidden, right? You're never to drink blood. And so when he's telling a bunch of, you know, faithful Jews, you should eat my flesh and drink my blood. They go, ooh, don't. Isn't, isn't the life in the blood? You go, yeah, that's the point, right? But it's great because they say, you know, starting at verse 60, says, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, um, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by, by the Father. Um, <clears throat> after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. I mean, that's kind of an interesting thing too, because why do you think Lutherans are such a small group? I think some part of it has to do with our understanding of the sacrament, that it's his true body and blood. And that's just really hard for people to understand, right? And, they, and it's kind of the same thing here. You go, I, any, anytime I have a conversation with a sacramentarian, someone who believes that the sacraments are just symbolic, right? When I talk about Holy Communion, I always go to John 6. Because it's just like, well, you believe the Bible, right? So Jesus says you should eat his flesh and drink his blood. I mean, it's Eucharistic in that way, meaning that he's talking about the Lord's Supper, inherently and um you know he's talking about it in you know a certain way right but the thing is is that um when people turn away and don't follow him anymore you go wow that's kind of interesting and then jesus says to the 12 the core group right do you want me to go or do you want to go away as well and then simon peter says something right for once <laughs> Aside from his confession, right? He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Right? So, uh, and, and then this kind of goes well for the rest, for like other parts of the study that he doesn't, he quotes John 6, 44, but um, in here also he says, did I not choose you, the 12? Right? And then he goes on to say that one of them is a devil. But, you know, uh, <laughs> he's talking about Judas, right? Um, which is, uh, uh, you know, Paul, by the way, for our, for our council meeting studies that we're doing, you know, um, I was thinking, I was like, where does it talk about the treasure in, in the Bible? <laughs> oh, yeah, Judas, right? <laughs> he was their treasurer. Yeah, he kept the money bag, yeah. <laughs> so, or maybe he's the financial secretary. So maybe we should point to Tim. Maybe, um, yeah. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought um, about that. Not that I knew that. Yeah. But I, I couldn't think of anything. Yeah, no, it's okay. I mean, yeah, we can <laughs> but, make some but, but if you take it the right way, uh, I have the easiest job because I know the Lord's going to provide. Yeah, so exactly. I don't have to worry about... Well, that means about, we all have the easiest job. You know, right? I don't yeah. have to worry about contributions yeah. or expenses or any of that. That's right. So That's right. I'm just, I'm just, you're just a tech writer. You're just, yeah. just one pushing the pencil you're, around. Yeah. You're just the steward. That's, That's right. right. Yeah, That's right. That's exactly right. So, anyways, um, <clears throat> all right. So, John six sixty nine, that we would believe and come to know Jesus as the Christ. That is God's work there, according to that text. Um, Deuteronomy twenty nine verse four and Matthew thirteen verse five. Okay, Deuteronomy. Okay, Deuteronomy 29, verse 4. But to this day, the Lord has not given you a mind that understands, or eyes that see, or ears that hear. Okay. Um, and then, we'll what see. What gifts? Huh? What gifts God are we talking about? Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So Deuteronomy 29, verse 4, in context, right, um... Uh, a covenant renewed in Moab. Um, Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh, and to all his servants, and to all his land, the great trials that your eyes saw, the signs, and those great wonders. But to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to understand, or eyes to see, or ears to hear. And he goes on from there, right? Um, talking about all the things that they've seen in the 40 years in the wilderness. <laughs> Uh, and then Matthew 13, verse 15. For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Yeah, and that's quoted from Isaiah, right? Um, I believe, right? It says prophecy of Isaiah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, Isaiah 6. Six, um, <clears throat> 6, verse 9 and 10. Yeah. So you see, yeah, um, and that's, that's, that's him talking about the parable of the sower, right? And parables in general, the purpose of the parables. So, um, so Deuteronomy 29, verse 4 talks about, so talks about seeing and hearing and things like that. So what gifts of God are we taught about in these verses? Eyes, ears, mind, heart. 
Okay. What about them? Like, what kind of gifts come from? What kind of gifts are related to those things from God? Understanding. Yeah. yeah. That we would see, uh, that we would hear and know and understand um, all these things, uh, like a a heart to understand, eyes to see, and ears to hear, and only God can give those things, right? Um, which is very perplexing and and kind of disheartening sometimes because you kind of ask yourself, well, so you know, what's the point of me going out and telling people about Jesus if God's the one who opens the heart and the mind? It's like, well, he works through you and what you say and God's word that you speak to other people. So it's it's all kind of this full trust you have to give God and say, I'm just doing what it is that I've been given to do, and God is the one who's actually going to do it, strangely enough. Right? He's actually the one that's going to do the real stuff of opening hearts and minds and the ears and the eyes to see and hear. Um, so yeah, so God is the one who does all these things. And sometimes... <coughs> He doesn't give people the, the, the ears to hear, the eyes to see, strangely enough as well. But that's his divine will that we just have to be content with, you know, at peace with, and still pray and hope that his will would be that they would see. And that they would, when he's telling them to look, they would actually look. When he's telling them to listen, they would actually listen. You know, you never know. So you got to keep trying and keep pursuing after God for these things, for other people. So, um, yeah, God does all these things. He opens the heart, the eyes, and the ears to do all the things that they're supposed to do. Um, <clears throat> so now we have Titus 3, 5 through 6. He saved us not because of righteous things we have done, we have done but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so to whom does the washing of regeneration and renewal belong? God. <laughs> okay, which which person of the Trinity? I'll say that. The Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Um and that's one of our um, that's one of our proof texts for holy baptism, right? Uh, that that when we see that uh, the washing um, that is that is baptism, the washing of regeneration and renewal um, of of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through through Jesus Christ our Savior. See, they're still connected. Holy Spirit still connected to Jesus Christ, and God the Father is the one who, you know brings all these things about as well. Um, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Yeah. So the washing of regeneration and renewal belongs to the Holy Spirit. Um, <clears throat> any questions about that? Thoughts? Okay. Uh, Ezekiel 11.19 I will, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Okay, so how 
is the heart of the unbeliever described? Heart of stone. Heart of stone. It's dead, right? Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like what we've been talking about in these last couple of sessions, that um, it's, <clears throat> I mean, that's kind of part, partly true. Not that the Bible is partly true. But, you know, our, our understanding is that if, if the unbeliever's heart is stone, I, I kind of said this last time, that it's kind of like a stone that's already being chucked at a window. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's actively hostile towards God um, and the things of God. But it is dead, right, in the same sense. Uh, it can't do anything by itself. Uh, that, you know, is it, I don't know, it's kind of strange to think about. A heart of stone is dead, but also actively hostile. So make that of it what you will, however you want to reconcile that. It's kind of strange to our reason and our logic, but that's the way it is. Um, the unbeliever's heart is like a stone, but what is the heart of faith like? Flesh. Yeah, it's actually living, right? It's yeah. alive. So who performs this heart transplant? God. Yeah. Good answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so um, yeah, God is the one who does this, who performs this heart transplant. And of course, you can look at Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, and Psalm 51, 10. I created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Um, so God is the one who does these things. He is the one who brings about this change and this heart transplant, as it were. Any, any questions or thoughts on that? We're blasting through this thing. Isn't, yeah. Isn't that good? Well, we have the simple answers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's really driving the point home, isn't it? Yeah. Um, now we're going back to Ephesians 2. So Ephesians 2.10. Uh, I know we're kind of going quick through all this stuff, but Ephesians 2.10. Holly's, that one was yours? Okay. Is that right? I mean, I we don't kind know. of went I, around, I was right? looking up Deuteronomy and Psalms, but I'll... Deuteronomy. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> Since we have the same level. Oh, yeah, that's right. But I'm actually 2019. That's the page number on the Lutheran uh, Study Bible. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. You probably probably okay. know it by heart if you yeah. looked at it. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, and we should walk in them. Yeah. So who creates us? God. Yeah. <laughs> we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Over and over again. God. Yep. Finish your thought. No, no, that's it. That's really it. It's, okay. kind of, it's kind of great how many texts there are about what God does for us, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's an yeah. unending list. Yeah. How do you know when. If you're missing a good work that you were supposed to do. That's a good question. Um, that he prepared for you, but you didn't do it. Something in the moment stopped you from doing it. How do you know that you haven't 
I would imagine. I would imagine that. Well, um, how do you know when you screwed up? I mean, you have a conscience for a reason, right? Um, and like Luther says, you know, our 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 conscience should be held captive by the word of God. And if there's something that I, I think, you know, sorry to be Jiminy Cricket, but let your conscience be your guide. Um, where uh, um, if your conscience is renewed by the Holy Spirit, I mean, then then the Holy Spirit is guiding you to know what you should say and do. I'll, I'll give an example of two instances in the last couple of days that I, Monday and Tuesday specifically, I, I should have said something uh, both times to people I didn't know. Okay. So it's not like, you know, my mom said something or you know, a relative said something, or my dad, whatever. I just didn't say something that I should have said. It's like, these are total strangers in some sense. Uh, it's just kind of teed up for me. No. And, and, um, uh, I was, I was, I was, I was at the coffee shop and I was doing my work, you know, I was reading and, and stuff. And, um, I spend, I spend my afternoons out, uh, out of the church, you know, just kind of get out. And, um, I was at the coffee shop in town here at, uh, Caliche and they, uh, and I was sitting there and, um, you know, sometimes people just come and talk to me. I wonder why. Maybe it's because I'm dressed a certain way. Um, but these, yeah, it's great. Well, one guy came up and talked to me on. Well, I. He came up and talked to me last week or something like that. And we we're going to talk about the Gnostic Gospels, and I was like, let's talk about something else. Um, uh, but anyways, um, these people were sitting next to me, and you know, they're about about my parents' age. And they were, you know, check, they were just looking at their phones and talking and chatting or whatever. And they were talking about this one, it didn't sound Christian, but they were talking about this meditation or whatever that they, like spiritual meditation that they were going through as far as like, you know, reading it out. And they cut, and I just heard them say certain bits and pieces of it. as something they got in an email or something like that. And one of the things that the wife said was, was, you know, it says that we should become like children again. It's like, can you become like a child again? And something in me just wanted to go, yeah, baptism. But I didn't, right? <laughs> I didn't say it. And I probably should have. But I probably would have caught him off guard and just be like, yeah, I, do you want to know how you can become a child again? You, be, you get baptized. And then you remember your baptism and you're always like a child you're all, because you're always God's child when you're baptized, right? I should have said something like that and I didn't, right? And then uh, the other day, I was also at um, I was at I was at a convenience store. I was, I was I was at a gas station, and the guy behind the counter was saying um, he was talking. So there were two guys behind the counter. One guy was saying like you know, um, one guy was saying yeah, don't mess with Ouija boards, man. That stuff's bad stuff. And the other guy was like, nah, it's no big deal. It's all just a bunch of you know, nonsense. It's only for fun. And the other guy literally said, don't tempt the, he, he literally said, don't tempt, don't tempt the hand of God. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. wow. He, said, he said, don't tempt the hand of God. And, and the other guy just goes, nah, nah, it's not that big of a deal. And I'm standing there in my collar and I'm just like, yes, <laughs> yes, actually it is. Do you like, do you know why I'm dressed like this? I guess not. And that's fine. I, I think it's kind of a sign people don't know. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I was so close just being like, dude, do not mess with Ouija boards. Because I was about, I, and, and I thought about this, and, and, and I thought about this after I walked out. 
because um, the guy asked me, he was like, do you want a receipt? And I was like, I was really close to be like, yeah, and uh, don't mess with Ouija boards. Um, <laughs> or something like that, because I really want to be like, no, you don't want to mess with them because there's only two spirits. There's demonic spirits and there's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is only given in the Word of God. And if you're not dealing with the Word of God, what other kind of spirit are you dealing with? You answer me that, and then you tell me whether or not Ouija boards are something you want to mess with. Like, you're not talking to your Aunt Susan that died, you know, 10 years ago or something like that. You're talking to a demon. And so it's just one of those things. It's kind of like, so close. I should have said something to this guy. And maybe it could have, you know, done something. I, I, I don't know. But I, I felt convicted that I didn't say anything. Right. So I think I think that your conscience should be your guide in these things when you say when there's something for you to do and you don't do it and your conscience is a, is is rightfully afflicted by it. Of course, you have to test the spirits. Right. But um, when it's something like that, it's like, yeah, I should have said something. I should have done something about that. And then at that at that moment, I, I, I have to ask for God's forgiveness. Like, God, forgive me for not saying what I should have said, uh, you know. And be with, and like, I was praying as I was walking out the doors of the, of the uh, convenience store. I was like, Lord, save him from himself and keep him from dabbling with things that will cause him harm. Right? So, I mean, yeah. I was, I was like really close to like turning around and saying like, by the way, don't do that! <laughs> find you. Do an exorcism on you if I have to. Um, I was like, I, I, got, I got in the car and crazy how the things go through your mind like yeah. oh i could have said this i could have said that yeah. could have got my card and be like that's my card you if you're dealing with demons give me a call i don't know i don't know if i hopefully i can help them um anyways. you did do that no i wanted to oh. okay. but if i did that with somebody be like you got demons let me call it was like give me a call you know help you out if i can you could have you could have praised or encouraged the worker that was saying this is I could have yeah that's right that, so that's, that, that would yeah. have been less confrontational yeah. and it would have been and another person to yeah. and I true. think that maybe that guy might have said that because you were standing there maybe 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 talk to him afterwards too for all I know yeah. I don't know do you think that same man will be in there when you go again Maybe I don't go in there very often. But you might, you might make it a point. Maybe I may, I may, I may just look at it. And plus, it's it's really dumb. I this is this is this is my particular war with the sinful flesh. Is that my flesh says you you have a stutter. You're just gonna make a fool of yourself. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So so that's that's kind of my struggle that I have there, which is ridiculous. You know, it's such a lie, uh, especially if I'm a, if I'm clearly a pastor. I'm clearly a clergyman. And wanting to say something, he's he's gonna wait to hear what I have to say if it takes me a little while to get it out, right? It's gonna be okay. But in the moment, I get scared, right? And sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I am. It just depends. But yeah, I could have I could have said something. I could have. Um, he was probably saying something because I was there. Or I could have said, no, he's right. Do not mess with that stuff, man. I know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, you could just said something simple like that. Yeah, something simple. Thanks for thanks for thinking of all the ways I messed up. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. No, it's something to keep in mind for next time. For sure. Your ordination okay. does not remove you from the human flesh. That's true. You are still. You're just like us. That's true. Um, yeah, we're not. We're not Roman Catholics that believe that when a priest is ordained he receives some indelible character that helps him to do all whatever things it's like 
I am, I am, I am given the gift of the Holy, like the whole, the Holy Spirit is conferred on me in the, the ordination to help me with my tasks and duties as a pastor, but I am a sinner. It's, that's, that's, that's why I need the Holy Spirit to help me with these things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, God is good mm -hmm. and he controls everything and he might have not used you that day. True. But there might be somebody else he could have. That other person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean. Maybe. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. You know, he's, yeah. He's got a plan. Yeah, he does. And we might not be in it that day. Yeah. There might be someone else that's going to. That's true. That guy. And maybe part of his plan was also to convict me and ch chasten me, discipline me to say, next time I'm going to say something. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. It's amazing what God, you know, uh, uh, what does St. Paul say? Oh, the height and depth of the riches and knowledge of God who can understand his ways, right? Yeah. Um, who, who, who knows what sort of good can be brought about that sort of thing. So, yeah. yeah. I can remember one of my daughters got a Ouija board Oof. as a present. Uh -huh. And I sit down, I had a talk with both of them. And I got rid of it. Good. Yeah, you don't mess with that stuff. It's. Uh, I remember having one as a child, but it didn't stay around long. <laughs> <laughs> you had a good well, parent. You had a good parent there, yeah. yeah. I don't remember what happened. You know, yeah. it was just yeah, they probably got one day play yeah. with, you know, and then it was gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't. Yeah, want to mess I with forgot that stuff. about those sports. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Don't mess with those. Don't mess with tarot. Don't mess with any sort of divination stuff. It's it's bad. It's bad, bad news. Um, okay, so uh, where were we? We just did... Um, oh, yeah, Ephesians 2.10. Yeah, so I'd say let your conscience be your guide on that, especially if your conscience is renewed by the Holy Spirit. Right? Uh, he, he informs us of these things. He has a way of doing it. Um, so... Um, 2 Corinthians, right? 5.17 and Galatians 6.15. So, who's Five, got? 5.17 is, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Okay. And then Galatians 6.15? I didn't have it. Galatians. Sorry, I should have had that one. Yeah, come on. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's okay. You're deep in thought. That's good. Um, Galatians 6.15. Okay, I got it. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Yes. Okay, so um, who makes us new creatures? God. Ah. There he is again. Um, yeah. Five, five, we shouldn't be laughing about it. No, it's, but I mean, like, it's, it's kind of funny because, I, I mean, I know that it's, it's, it's joyful laughter. Joyful laughter that God is so involved in our lives, right? Um, no, but it's, it's great to hear. It's like God does these things. God makes, makes us new creations. And it's just, it's great that it's not just said one time. Right? Yeah. Holy Spirit. Um, specifically in these verses. Yeah. 
Um, or would it would it just be God the Father? Uh, it depends. I think I think on this one you can say maybe Christ. So therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So on that one, Second Corinthians five seventeen, maybe specifically Christ, Christ Jesus, um, <clears throat> and then Galatians six fifteen. He's really just talking about the new creation, circumcision or uncircumcision, and the things that we do or don't do, but the new creation is from God, yeah. right? So very generally, God probably there in Galatians 6.15. Um, yeah. Okay, and then there's that next little line from the formula, uh, from the solid declaration of the formula of Concord. Concord it says, and in short, every good gift is of God. And for that, you can see James 1.17, right? Um, uh, there's no real question there, but uh, you you all know that verse, right? I got it. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Um, yeah, because he is the Father of lights, so he has no shadow. Right? Yeah. There's no shifting or changing. Yeah. yeah. Um... Okay, so now we're going to go on to John 6, 44 again. Sorry, Holly, I know you're trying to highlight everything. I got it. No one can come to me unless the Father who sends me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. Yeah, and that's Jesus speaking, right? Um, so John 6, 44 no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Uh, what is required for a person to come to Christ? Holy Spirit. Yeah, but who specifically, which which person is mentioned Jesus. here about this? Jesus. Uh, well, okay. You got two out of three. <laughs> who's, who's, who's the other one that's left? No, who's the other one? God. No! The Father! Come on now. <laughs> no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, right? So, what is required for a person to come to Christ? The Father draws him, right? Draws him to him. Um... And then it's going to be kind of interesting uh, because then we're also going to see another side of this too. So that's John 6.44, but now Matthew 11.27. So if you want to kind of see the comparison between those two, keep a finger in John 6 and then go to Matthew 11.27 and see um, you know, how can a person know the Father? All things have been committed to me by my Father. Mm -hmm. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Right. So, uh, what is required for a person to come to Christ? That the Father draws him. How can a person know the Father? The Son chooses to reveal him. So the Father and the Son are in connection and conversation talking about who gets to see what, who gets to be drawn in, 
who gets, you know, who gets to hear, who gets to see, who gets to know all these things, right? But then also, let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Because here's, here's, I think, the fullness of the Trinity kind of shown here. 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 3. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so how can we confess and call Jesus Lord? Who does that? Holy Spirit. Yeah. Holy Spirit. So you see here that, you know, what is required for a person to come to Christ? The Father draws him to Christ. How can a person know the Father? The Son chooses to reveal the Father. And how can we confess and call Jesus Lord? Only in the Holy Spirit. Right? So the Father draws, the Son reveals, and the Holy Spirit um, gives us the power to confess that Jesus is Lord. Isn't that neat? See the Trinity? It all work together. Yeah, it's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. But it's kind of neat to see it in Scripture too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, played out like that. Um, all, all three persons working in tandem together for the same ends, right? Thankfully, we have a God that does that, and we're not like pagans who have gods that like fight against each other and stuff, you know? Uh, so, uh, and by that I mean that we have one God who is in perfect union with himself in the three persons and all that. We don't, we don't have three gods that work in perfect harmony. Yeah, we're not, we're not polytheists. We're monotheists with, you know, one, one God, three persons, for sure. Um, <clears throat> so, what's the next part? John 15, 5. Um, see John 15, 5. This is a very simple, simple question with a very simple answer. Who wants to read John 15, 5? Who, who's supposed to read? I think I lost track of who's reading what. I can read it. Okay. I am the vine, you are the branches. Yeah. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So, what can we do without Christ? Nothing. Nothing, right? Yeah, the answer's not God this time. Um, <laughs> yeah, nothing. Nothing, right? We can't do anything without Christ. Um... And, and, yeah, that's, that's something some people have a problem with sometimes, right? They'll say, nothing? Yeah, nothing. The Bible's not going to lie to you. Yeah. If you were to summarize John, the whole chapter, how would you do it? If he did it all for you? If I was to summarize the whole chapter of John 15? Yeah, John. John. The I whole mean, gospel? The yeah, the, the book of John. You did it all for me. How did how would I do the uh, how would I summarize all of John? Yeah. Um, I got a reason for asking. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> how would I summarize all of the book of John? Yeah. Uh, I would summarize it probably with with one of the most profound one of the most profound parts of the Bible or of of the gospel, uh, which is to tell us die. It is finished. 
Jesus said, it is finished. And then he breathed his last. When Diane's dad died at his funeral, he had prepared a lot of stuff for Diane to go through to make sure everything was was right. And most people have a favorite verse. He had a favorite book, and it was John. That's great. I I love the Gospel of John. It's great. Did, did they read the entire gospel at his funeral? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not to joke, but I mean, if you're going to read any book, that would be a fantastic book to read. That's just a wonderful book. Yeah. Diane still has it. He carried a little Bible. It was about this big, yeah. that big, and it had a metal cover, right? Yeah, in the World War II, they gave them uh, all these little Bibles to put in their little vest. They yeah. had a metal cover to help protect them if they were shot in the heart, you know, the metal would protect them. And I still have that little Bible like that on the shelf next to him. And he has one little verse marked, it was Revelations, I can't remember what it was, but he had, he, I still have that little piece of paper in that Bible in Revelations 2 verse 7 something like that I can't remember what it was was it was it the one that says be thou faithful unto death and you shall receive the crown of life yes yeah yeah what is yeah. that John? um revelations oh I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> but I know that <laughs> but one. anyway yeah it's a great it's a great one um uh here, yeah. um, two nine. Two, two nine. nine. Okay. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Yeah, yeah. And he had that. He had a little bitty piece of paper. It's a green little piece of paper in <laughs> Revelations on that page, and it had what was it? Chapter two, verse, verse nine. C two V. Is it two nine? nine? Well, no. Sorry, that's a G beside it. Um, uh, two ten. Two ten. Ten. Okay. G. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, be yeah, it's ten. be faithful. Yeah, it's the last. It's the last sentence in verse ten. Yeah, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Yeah, mm. that's a wonderful, wonderful verse. Um, and I'm sure he read that a lot, being in the foxholes. Oh yeah, he was under. <laughs> he was. Yeah. He was. He had. They had no break. This battalion. That this chemical battalion. For 365 days, Oof. no break. Well, they were just yeah. going from one place to another. Was he under Patton? He was at the time. See, what happened is most of these armies and units would go in there for 90 days or 100 days or whatever, and then they'd be relieved. But they were a battal- uh, mortar battalion unit, and they were attached to these. Oh. And so if one had left, they'd just find him another to attach to. So they stayed on the front lines for, it wasn't, it wasn't 365 days, but it was like 350. Yeah, so close. <laughs> That's still a lot of days. Well, and he probably also kept, the, time, huh? <laughs> yeah, he probably also kept the rest of verse 10 in mind. Uh, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for 10 days you'll have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Yeah. He who has an ear to hear, hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Uh, Something to keep in mind for sure. That's great. Um, So yeah, the book of John. 
wonderful book. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, how do you summarize it? It's just so good. Dad said it was the book of love. Yeah, yeah, for God so loved the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can say that. My Presbyterian dad. Well, and there's also the the epistles of John talk a lot about love as well. The beloved, because he's known as the beloved disciple, right? And things like that, right? So, um, anyways, John 15.5, we just did that. So, without Christ, you can do nothing. 2 Corinthians 3.5. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves. But our confidence comes from God. Our what now? Competence. Con- competence? Oh. oh, no. Confidence. Confidence. C-O-M-P-E-T-E-N-C-E. So our competence, yeah. For some reason I heard you say confidence. I was like, oh, okay, I get that too. No. Because in the English Standard Version it says sufficiency. So, but I mean, that's synonymous. So, um... So, uh, from where is our sufficiency or our competence from? God. Yeah, from God. <laughs> Back to God now. Uh, yeah. So, our sufficiency is not within ourselves, but it is in God. It is from God. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 now. We're almost at the end here. First Corinthians 4, 7. 1 Corinthians or who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did not receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? So if you did, if you did receive it, right? If you did, yeah, if you did receive it. If you did receive it. Yeah. Yes. Um, That's so, a lot of dids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like Romans 7 where Paul is saying, like, if I do the thing I do not want to do, um, so what have we received from God as a gift? All that we received. Okay, yeah, your wife, yeah, your spouse. Um, uh, it's kind of like, it kind of, you saying that, Paul, reminded me of um, a mighty fortress, right? Um, though they may take our life, goods, fame, child, or wife, though these all be gone, the battle has still been won. The victory ours remaineth, right? Um, then all all these things are go- are gifts from God. So when he asked the question, um, "What do you have that you did not receive?" Uh, nothing, right? Everything comes from God, especially our salvation, right? Um, everything comes from God. There is nothing that we have not uh, received. Right? Is that how that goes? That's a lot of negatives. Um, I'm not a negative person, so I'll refrain. Um, so, anyways, um, yeah, we have received from God as a gift everything in our life. Everything. Um, you know, everything in creation, everything in salvation, all of it. Um, now, finally, last, the last part here. Um, Augustine's change of mind on this topic. Accordingly, St. Augustine particularly writes of this passage that by it he was convinced that he must lay aside his former, uh, his former, erroneous opinion 
when he had maintained the following in his treatise De, de Predestinatione, I guess. I don't know Latin, I'm sorry. <laughs> Chap- but basically, the, predes- the predestination, right? Uh, chapter 3. Uh, I erred in this, this is him writing, I erred in this that I held that the grace of God consists only in this, that God in the preaching of the truth reveals his will, but that our consenting to the preached gospel is our own work and is within our own powers. Likewise, St. Augustine writes further, I erred when I said that it is within our own power to believe the gospel and to will but it is God's work to give to them that believe and will the power to effect something, right? Um, it seems like a, kind of a strange place to end that. Uh, what was that? Let's see here. Let's see if I can find it real quick. I'm going to ask a dumb question. Who's St. Augustine? St. Augustine. St. Augustine. Augustine, however you want to say it. Um, Oh man, I was in the Where do we know him from? Well, he is he's he's a he's a um he's a church father that lived um uh in the three hundreds and uh somebody's gonna kill me for not knowing exactly when he lived, but that's okay with me. Nobody will care. Um but um <laughs> Yeah, right. Um yeah, so he Saint Saint Augustine was uh, he was the bishop of Hippo, and Hippo is uh, it's kind of funny. Um, well, it's kind of a funny joke. I think it's funny. Maybe I'm lame, but um, Hippo uh, was literally a one horse town, which is hilarious if you know Greek because Hippo means horse. Yeah. Uh, so it's a one horse. Get it, hippo. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, um, he was he was the bishop of, of of hippo, which is which is in North Africa, um, and uh, I think it I think it's like currently in Algeria. Let me just make sure about that. Um, North Africa, close enough. Yeah, it's um. I'm going to look them up real quick. November 354 to August 430. So right. this is BC. No, this is AD. No, oh, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he, he was... Uh, 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 yeah, he was in the new... He was, he was, he was after the apostles, for sure. Um, so about the time of Constantine? Yes. Um, he, he was actually a contemporary of St. Ambrose of Milan, you know, of Ambrose and all. Anyways, um, Augustine was, was a, was, is known as like a Latin father. Um, and he, uh, he was, he was the, um, Bishop of Hippo in North Africa of the Roman Empire at the time. Um, yeah, it's modern day Anaba, Algeria. Um, and he's born and, and he's rest, his resting place is in Italy. They probably moved the poor guy's bones over there. But, um, anyway, he's, he's known as a, as, as a predominant theologian at that time, because there's so much writing that he did and so much 
that he was influential in because he wrote so much and so many people like kept what he wrote. And he was very profound in a lot of the things he had to say. And I don't agree with him on everything, but he's highly, highly influential. I mean, he's highly influential for Luther and a lot of reformers, actually. Um, and, he, and especially like Roman Catholics, they think that he belongs to them, but I don't think so. Anyways. Um, but, you know, so do y'all, do y'all remember the monastic, um, the um, monastic order that Luther was a part of? He was an Augustinian, right? He was an Augustinian monk. Not that St. Augustine, you know, created that order, but someone else made it, you know, created it in his honor after he was around, you know. And so, so you get, um, uh, yeah, so you get, um, you see, he was also a contemporary of Jerome, Jerome was the one who translated the Bible into Latin. So it's all around that same time. Anyway, so he, he wrote a book called The Confessions. It was about his conversion to Christianity. Uh, he wrote a book uh, called The City of God, where he talks about the right and the left-hand kingdom. Uh, he talks about just war theory. He talks about a lot of stuff. He's, he was kind of a philosopher, um, but primarily a theologian. So I mean, he was very well well-read, well-learned man, um, and highly influential in the Western church, for sure. Yeah. And, and really an important person because he can admit that he was, that he was, uh, he was wrong. Yeah, I think, I think that's... I erred in that. Yeah, I think that's one of the great things about Augustine is that he, I mean, if you read his book, The Confessions, I haven't made it all the way through. I'd like to. He also has a book on Christian doctrine, on Christian teaching. So how to teach the faith, which is helpful as well. Um, But he, yeah, he wrote a lot of books. Um, But his book on his conversion is very interesting to read. I've read parts of it where, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was like he, he was a part of this sort of Christian kind of sect that it was it was a heretical branch they they were not really christians they were manichaeans and they believed in you know a duality of good and evil and it's not worth going into here but he wasn't on the right path um and then um through hearing and reading the word of god he converted and it was pretty kind of kind of interesting um story and but he is well versed in saying you know i was wrong and this is you know by God's grace, I am now, you know, saved, and this is this is how it goes. And I love Augustine. This one thing that he says, if I'll just say this well, one last thing, he when he talks about his 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 conversion, he begins by saying, I think it's in his Confessions. He says um, he he calls God the Hound of Heaven, right? <laughs> that God never stopped pursuing him. Right. God never stopped hunting him down to have him as his own. And he also says, um, oh, it's just beautiful how he says um, that that our life is restless until we find our rest in thee, O oh Lord. Hmm. I like that. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. Yeah. So he's 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 very profound in a lot of ways, for sure. Um, so how does St. Augustine agree with the scripture passages listed above? 
So what was he wrong about and what was he correcting himself on? How does he agree with the scripture passages? He believed the gospel. Mm -hmm. I guess at first he believed in predestination. Um, Is that right? Am I reading that right? No. No, yeah, no, you're right. He well, he's he's writing about predestination. He's writing about well, he's writing about it. Election. He believe in it. Well, I think this is this is where he's correcting what he thought about. Right. It, right. Okay. Yeah. That's that was my next thing. Yeah. That he might have believed in predestination, but then as he went into the Word, he figured out that it's through the Trinity mm -hmm. that, that you're saved. Yeah. Is it? Is it? Whose whose work is it to bring us to salvation? Yeah. God's work. Yeah. Use and if I can words. if I can read a little bit, because this is from the Triglotta, that's the older version. Uh, you know, it's it's more antiquated English. Uh, but it's in the public domain, that's why they printed it here. If 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 I can read from a little bit more up I would guess more for us updated um, uh, from the Concordia Lutheran Confessions from CPH. Uh, it says, uh, St. Augustine writes about this passage in particular, uh, 1 Corinthians 4, um, 7, right? That we have, like, what have we been given that we have not received, right? Um, he says, um, by it he was convinced that he must lay aside his former wrong opinion when he had believed the following in his treatise on predestination, chapter 3. I erred in this matter. I believe that God's grace consists only of this. God reveals his will in the preaching of the, in, in the preaching of the truth. But our faith in the preached gospel is our own work and, was if, and, and, and is within our own powers. Likewise, St. Augustine writes further, I erred when I said that it is within our own power to believe the gospel and to will. But it is God's work to give the power to do something to those who believe and will. Okay, so maybe that makes a little bit better sense on that one because it kind of breaks off to believe and will the power to affect something, right? Kind of a little strange to put it together like that, for us at least. So, I erred when I said that it is within our own power to believe the gospel and to will, but it is God's work to give the power to do something to those who believe and will. So, it's God's work, you know, salvation is solely God's work and not our own in any sense whatsoever which is i mean if you read if you read the bible you read all these passages that we just read how can you not walk away with that understanding right um but still i told this to some people i told this to our adult instruction uh class you know i said because i was you know how i can get i can get a little i can get a little carried away and i I kind of went on, I was just like, we are the Western Catholic Church, right? We are the Western Universal Church. We're the true church, the Lutheran Church, right? Um, the Evangelical Lutheran Church. Not in America, but the Evangelical Lutheran Church. Um, we are the ones who are carrying on the tradition of the West and, you know, all this. And, and um, to hedge that a little bit, because that can sound kind of harsh. It's like, so other people in other church bodies, they, they're, they're not part of the church. And you go... Well, 
there's still truth that can be heard in those churches. Um, and there's something we also have as a comfort and a solace, but not as a primary thing that we hold on to. The felicitous, um, um, it's this concept of the felicitous inconsistency. Have you ever heard that for that that phrase before? A felicitous inconsistency is that you can go, let's just use a very general example, you can go to a Baptist who believes a certain thing about baptism, and you say to them, baptism saves you, and they go, no, it doesn't. And I say, well, let me show you 1 Peter 3.21. It says, for baptism now saves you. And they'll say, oh, well, well, yeah, of course it does, right? They'll say, yeah, of course it, of course baptism saves you, but only in a certain way, or blah, 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 blah. But you'll say, or or you'll bring up, you know, it's like, well, when Titus 3, 5 says the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit does these things, that that, that, that is baptism, they'll say, oh, yeah, I always believe that. And you go, you belong to a church that doesn't teach that. They go, oh, well, that may be the case, but I believe that because that's what the oh, Bible yeah. says. I've heard that many right? <laughs> That's a felicitous, that's, that's a felicitous, um, a felicitous inconsistency. Same thing with like a Roman Catholic. You go to them and say, you've been saved by grace through faith. And they go, well, yeah, of course. They go, you belong to a church that doesn't believe that, you know? You belong to a church that has actively said that, like in the Council of Trent, that that, that, doctrine of justification by grace through faith alone is anathema. It is condemned. It is cursed, right? And you go, oh, well, I may be part of the Roman Catholic Church, but I believe that. You go, that's kind of a felicitous inconsistency. Mm -hmm. Thanks be to God, you actually believe the word of God, right? And not the error of your church, right? So, I mean, so there is, there is hope there in that sense. But like I said, that's not something we should just hang our hats on and say, well, you know, God, I'm just going to fully... Trust in the felicitous inconsistency. It's like, no, we still gotta, we still gotta go to people and say, well, it's really better if you understand what baptism really is and what the Trinity is and things like that. Because there are, like I, like, like we kind of alluded to, there are Christians, or you know, I don't, I don't, just this may sound harsh, but I don't think that you can really call yourself a Christian if you don't believe in the Trinity. And yet there are oneness Pentecostals out there, right? And they'll say, "Well, no, God is God is one," um, and and you go, "Well, that like they will they will inherently deny the Trinity." You go, "Well, then you're not a Christian, right?" Or Mormons who say, "You know, we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit," and we're just like, "Yeah, but what do you say about them?" Right? It's not the Trinity. They they don't they don't believe in the Trinity. Um, same thing with Jehovah's Witnesses or whatever. So it's like you have to have these things settled before you get into this stuff so anyways um but augustine agreed with scripture that salvation is solely god's work and not our own in any sense for sure back to our study here um any any last questions on this i comments? love this picture yeah isn't it great i wish i mean i see the holy spirit god the father and god the son uh -huh. right there yeah and I guess the rest of the people are just the holy saints, the saints. Yeah, you see that. Um, is, there, is that Peter down there at the bottom? I, um, yeah, you can probably pick out some people. Uh, I think that uh, 
that's definitely the angels and the archangels and all the hosts of heaven. Right. Um, <clears throat> I think it's I think it's the um, I think it's the vision of Saint John from Revelation. But the painting is called um, "The Adoration of the Holy Trinity" right. uh, by Albrecht Durer, um, and uh, I think that is that is the interpretation of uh, all the saints in heaven surrounding the throne of God. And you see that the throne of God is the cross of Christ, you mm -hmm. know, and with the Father um, there with mm -hmm. him and the Holy Spirit hovering above like in baptism. It's pretty, it's pretty yeah, neat. those little cherubims? Uh, yeah, there's cherubs and seraphim and things that like that. that's not what angels really look like. What's that? You said that that's not what angels really look like. Yeah, that's an artistic depiction. I mean, if you understand... Um, the words like seraphim means like the fiery ones. Yeah. And, and, Angels and like, aren't very nice. They're terrifying. Them. Yeah. And like some of them just have, they're just all eyes. That's all they are. There's eyes all around. Yeah. Which one are those? Um, those are the watchers. I can't, you know, so, so it's like, you know that hymn, ye, ye watchers and ye holy ones, you know, those are the watchers. They see everything kind of stuff. And, oh. And um, uh, I we think did, so. We did a little study on. Angels. I'm not a huge angelologist, but um, yeah. yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting. It's interesting. It is. It is. Maybe we can. I think the types of angels is all fairly speculative. You got to go into some apocryphal sources yeah. for that stuff. But um, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. As long as we're all agreed that when the person dies, they don't get their wings. That's right. Yeah. They do not get their wings. <laughs> yeah. <That's right>. yeah. <laughs> When someone dies, they gain heaven gains a saint. They don't get another angel. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing that those poor souls up there are looking down on us. No, there's yeah, no, no tears in heaven. No, there's what? There's no tears in heaven. No, every tear has been wiped away. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, good stuff. Um, last comments, questions about what we talked about today, or anything else we to discuss. Now let's let's go ahead and close with the Lord's prayer. Uh, so taught by our Lord and trusting His His promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.